When you are free, you live a life that sets other people free. God has more for you than you can ever imagine. Three words, hope, health, and healing. Amen by myself. Welcome to Midtown. So good to see y'all. So good, so good to see y'all. Um, there's a word that we're going to go to. I'm not going to hold you long. I'm not going to keep you from your Easter brunch. I'm not going to keep you from I'm going to get you to it. There's a word found in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 11. Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. From this text, I want to speak to you on the title, Celebrating He is Risen. Celebrating He is Risen. God, I pray this would be your message. Ultimately, you would be speaking, and I would just be the vessel, the vehicle that you decided to use to say what you want to say. To these, your beloved children, my sisters and brothers, God, I desire to be obedient to your word. So please let it be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Celebrating He is Risen risen. Um, I've had a couple of problems, challenges in my life that go all the way back to my childhood. One of my challenges is I can't stay still. So I, I don't know if I, what the condition is I have, but I just, I just like, like sitting still, like I was the kid that had to write on the chalkboard after school that had to go sit in the, the room because I just couldn't sit behind my desk. You know what I mean? I just, yes, man. I'm just, the, and I wish I could, I wish I could call my fifth grade teacher, Miss Perry and say, see what I'm doing now? Ha ha. <laughs> Sent me to detention. That's what I do for a living. Move around. Um, but I just, I just can't stay still for some reason. I, I just, I, I, maybe it's the extrovert in me, but, but it's hard standing still. The other thing is hard for me to stay asleep. It's not hard for me to get to sleep. <laughs> I can go to sleep. It's just, if I set my alarm clock for 6 a.m., for some reason, I wake up and it's 4 a.m. I'm like, man, I set my alarm clock for 7, and I'm waking up at 5. I just, for some reason, I can't just sleep until the alarm goes off. I can't stay asleep. And the reason I can't stay still or stay asleep, this is my father's fault. I blame this all on my dad, Forrest Smith. I'm just putting him out there. My dad, it, he is the reason I can't stay still. I can't stay asleep. I can't stay still because of him. Because, you know, when I was growing up in my house, you had to do stuff. Even on Saturday, he's like, is your room clean? It, don't, it looked like it needed to be vacuumed around here to me. Look like something needs to be swept up in the kitchen. Like you just, you, oh, you're going to just sit down and watch. You thought you was going to watch cartoons all day. That's what you thought you was doing. No, you need to get, and so I couldn't sit still. Had to move around and get stuff done. And then as soon as all the chores and everything was done, he's like, oh, you're just going to sit in the house? No, you ain't. Not in my house. You better go outside and play. You better go do something. So the reason I can't stay still, this is all on my daddy. All my dad's fault. Reason I can't stay asleep is because of my dad. My dad didn't even use an alarm clock. My dad would get up. He said responsibility woke him up. <laughs> Never used an alarm clock. My dad, to this day, my dad is retired. 
He still gets up early and goes on a walk like at 530 in the morning. He just, so, I, so this is my, I can't stay still and I can't stay asleep. It's my daddy's fault. Jesus didn't stay dead. It's his daddy's fault. <laughs> Jesus came here for our sins and he didn't stay dead. He did not stay in the grave. He rose. But here's the deal. You knew you were coming for that. You knew you were coming here today to hear Jesus rose. You're not surprised by this. This is not an aha moment for you. And so I just got that out the way because that's not really what I want to preach to you about today. I don't want to just solely preach to you that Jesus rose. What I want to challenge us around is we are called to rise with Jesus. You and I are called to get up. You and I are called not to stay stagnant, not to stay in apathy, not not to stay in life as usual, to to, to rise. Sometimes you got to get up. Sometimes you got to get to work. You just got to get up and get to work. You got to go to school. You got to get up. You you just can't stay there. You can't stay stagnant. You got to get up. You got to go. You got to go to school. You got to go to work. You got to go to the gym. You got to get out of the house. You got to go out and make a difference. There's stuff to do. We can't stay in the graves of life. The importance of Christ getting up from the dead, getting out of the grave, is is not just that it's for you and I, it is, but it's also a call to you and I to rise too. We can't stay asleep. We can't stay still. There's too much brokenness in the world for the church to be asleep. I don't know why the word woke has become like a bad word all of a sudden. Like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Like, if you say woke, like, you might be careful. You might get an email. You might get somebody might say something to you. Somebody might describe you in a certain way if you say woke. And it's because the word awake, to be woke, to be awake, for some reason, I guess, has been hijacked into the stratospheres of political ideology and partisanship and so, you know, if you say woke and, you know, you're going to get a lot of stuff attached to you. But way before the Republican and the Democratic Party, way before the construction of the United States of America, the word of God called the followers of God to be woke, to be awake, to move, to do something, to not stay still. Stay woke, followers of Jesus. What is the biblical background here in Romans The Apostle Paul is writing to a diverse church, a church that is also divided, a church that is in disagreement, and he's trying to let them know the significance of the death and resurrection of Jesus, that there is salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus. We receive new life, eternal life, but he also wants them to know that there is freedom through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Paul is passionately challenging the church to participate in the resurrection of Jesus. He's saying, if you are living that Jesus rose, you shouldn't have all this division in the church. If you're living that Jesus rose, you shouldn't be bickering about the things that you're bickering about. Maybe you have lost sense of the significance of the death and resurrection of Jesus and what it means for you. So I'm here in this letter to remind you that not only did Jesus rise, but you church are supposed to rise with Jesus. We join Jesus 
in his death and resurrection. We join him in his death by dying to the old human being that we were before we said yes to God. A life maybe of bitterness, maybe of depression, maybe of, 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 of arrogance, maybe of sustained anger, maybe of rebellion, maybe of selfishness, maybe of unkindness, what, whatever it is. There's something in all of us that needs to be put to death. But Jesus died so that it could be put to death. But Jesus rose so that you and I could rise to new possibilities in our lives, to new purpose to new mission, to new life. We are to join Christ in his death, join him in his rising for eternal life, that's future, but for new life, that's right now. Maybe you heard Jesus rose, but you didn't hear that you rise. You rise too, because just like sleep is not final, sitting down is not final. You're sitting right now, but you're going to leave here in a few minutes. So sitting down is not final. Sleep, you slept last night, but sleep is not final. But Lord have mercy, death is not final. We shouldn't have to fear, sisters and brothers, because we have faith. So how do we do this? How do we rise daily and live for Christ? Rise daily and live for Christ. Point one, to rise daily and live for Christ, it's about understanding the resurrection of Christ. Understanding the resurrection of Christ. Romans 8, beginning with verse 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. What does that mean? How do you make that practical? Here is the just very plain, practical understanding of this. You and I are living in sin. But not only are we living in sin, in brokenness, in fallenness, like things just aren't right. We're not, we're living in a sinful world. I shouldn't have to prove this to you. Nashville, shooting. Roseville, shooting. Denise and I, my wife and I, just last month, uh, we, we went, we were coming out of the movie theater in Doko. So we're coming out of the Century Movie Theater in Doko. We're walking from the movie theater across this little bridge that takes you to the Doko parking lot, the little parking garage. And so we're, we're coming out of the movie theater. We're going across that little bridge into the parking ramp. And all of a sudden we hear, bat, 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 bat. I was like, firecrackers? No. I looked down from that bridge and under the, the, the tunnel that goes from, from Old Sack into downtown, there were three bodies lying on the ground. And, and, and I, I wish I could tell you, oh, I've never experienced that before. But no, where I grew up, I, I have. And so I was just thinking, okay, people were running, people were screaming. I just, Danish and I just went to our car. Some people were afraid to leave the parking garage because they didn't know where it was coming from. The, here's the thing. The, the thing, not only is that tragic, but the thing is, we have figured out in society how to just move on like this is not an issue. 
like shootings can happen in schools. Shootings can happen at, 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 at a religious festival here in Sacramento. Shootings get, can happen at, at, in Las Vegas. And, and, and then it, it, it makes breaking news so that there can be some news media ratings and then some politicians say something and then we just kind of live normal as if they, we don't have a sin problem, as if there's not a fallenness problem, as if there's not a brokenness problem in the world. And so sin is not only in the world in which we live, sin is also in us because it's human beings that are behind all this, that are responsible for this. I mean, yes, we can blame it on the devil too because sin is in Satan. But I mean, all of this, we can't blame. Some of this, the devil's just sitting back eating popcorn, watching us. I didn't even have to tell y'all to do nothing. This is why we need Jesus. Because if we could fix this, we would have fixed it by now. If, 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 if just being humanist could fix this, if being atheist could fix this, we would have fixed this by now. If we had the might without God, without religion, without anything spiritual, if we as human beings had it in our power to eradicate poverty and violence and human trafficking, prejudice, discrimination, all the gaps and chasms that exist, hatred, selfishness, we would have fixed this by now. Come on, we sent somebody to the the moon. We have a phone that looks like this now. We can watch TV like this. Like how can we have that much innovation, that much technology? I mean, we can send people in space. We can make movies that just make you feel like you're there. Look at all the stuff. I mean, we can, you can get to a place that would take you like the, the two and a half days to drive and you can get there in two and a half hours. But we can't solve the sin problem. This is why Jesus came. The son of God. Out of love, God sent Jesus to die on the cross and to raise. So to understand the resurrection is to understand that you and I need freedom from this broken world. You and I need to be set free from sin and be set free for a purpose for new possibilities. So to understand the resurrection of Christ is to understand that there's a vaccine for sin. And Jesus defeats death and Satan through the death and resurrection. I, I, I know some of this for people that like, you're not really churchy, you're not really religious, you didn't grow up with the Bible and you're still trying to figure out, could this be possible? At least let me offer this understanding to you. We are relational people, human beings. And, and without relationship, without network, without connectivity, we, we, we don't develop in the ways we're supposed to. Isolation, rugged individualism cripples the mind and the heart, the soul of a human being. We were meant for love. We were meant for connection. And are you telling me then that just out of some we were just created from like just nothingness into somethingness. And if there's no, if there's no God, if there's no divinity, if there's, if there's no God, then, then, then we, we have done ourselves. We should be mad at science 
for creating us for love and connectivity. And then we live in a world that is so violent and so broken and so divided. And then we die. That's it. Then why were we made for love? Why were we made for relationship? Because God created us out of love and out of relationship into a family system that there would be relationship into community that there would be relationship. We were meant to be in relationship with the creator of the universe and to be in right relationship with one another. Atheism and humanism can't solve that. To believe in nothing, I can't develop into the something that I'm meant to be. Understand why we need Jesus to get us back to who we were created to be in the first place. Second, we need to understand the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection. Romans 8, beginning with verse 5, says this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. There's resurrection power. There's power in Jesus not staying dead. That Jesus is alive gives us life, but it gives us power to do things we can't do on our own. I can't fix myself on my own. You can't fix yourself on your own. There, there's a reason why there's, there's money that is spent out of my and Danisha's bank account that if, if, if I was good at fixing stuff, we would save money. And I believe in equality. So if she was good at fixing stuff. Now, in the next service, when she's here, I'm going to say this part a little bit different. This little, little different. She can't fix nothing. I can't fix nothing. Man, when I buy something, when I'm at Home Depot, they don't even have to ask me about the warranty. I go to them. Do you have a warranty on this? Six months? How about two years? Two years? What's the two year warranty? Because I can't fix anything. I can't fix when the dishwasher's messed up. I'm calling somebody. The washer don't work. Maybe we need a new one. I don't. Maybe God's trying to tell us something. We'll be back to this podcast episode shortly, but we wanted to take this time to give you an opportunity to give. Why do we give? At Midtown, we believe that giving is both an act of worship and a command. And the psalmist says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So when we give, we're simply giving back to God what belongs to God in the first place. For those of you who give regularly, thank you. And if you're new around here, there's no obligation to give. We just encourage you to give however God is leading you. You can give digitally on our website or our app, but let's take a moment to pray right now. God, thank you that you have given us an opportunity to partner with you in the work that you want to do to display your goodness and your love to the world around us. So God, take this offering right now, multiply it and use it for the good of your people and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's get back to our podcast episode. fix and I can't even fix my own life I, I can't I can't I can't I need God I need the power of the resurrection of Jesus the indwelling of the Holy Spirit 
There's something on the inside of you if you've said yes to Jesus already. It's not just your gut. It's not just intuition. It's not just the small, still voice on the inside of you trying to tell you something. I mean, if you want to talk to you, that's fine. I do that sometimes too. I I do. Sometimes I check with Ephraim to see what's going on. But as soon as Ephraim talks back, I go, Jesus, I got to talk to you because I wasn't expecting Ephraim to talk back. I need Jesus to be the human being I'm supposed to be, to live in the covenant relationship of marriage. If you're single, you need the power of the resurrection to live that out. You know good and well to get through this week on your job. If it's not for Jesus, if not for sensing the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, if nothing else, the Holy Spirit is keeping you from saying everything you're thinking. That's why you still have your job. You know, I'm on. Thank you, Holy Ghost. You know, you got one more. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Shoot, it's the first. It's the first. Can't be messing around with these people. It's the first. What Paul is saying here in in, in chapter eight, especially around verse five and six, is he's saying we have an option here. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, which opens the door to the indwelling of God in our lives, it gives us the opportunity to choose who we want to be governed by. He's saying, are we going to be governed by the flesh or are we going to be governed by the spirit? Even though he's talking about the soul, the inner person, really this is an outside inside proposition. Are we going to be governed by outside forces or are we going to be governed by an inside force? There are outside forces that are coming at you trying to shape what you think. Man, I can't even watch a commercial. It's already telling me. It's telling me. It's trying the, the, the commercials, the movies, and I and I'm, I, was, I have a theater background. I have a film background, so I, I love going to the movies. I love going to theater. I love the arts. But I also have to be careful what I allow myself to digest over a sustained period of time. Because there are outside forces that are trying to convince me that my covenant marriage with my wife for 30 years is not enough. You're grown. You're an adult. That's kind of like, you know, like being governed by the flesh is basically when you say, I'm going to govern my own life. You know, that the principles that I feel like God is calling me to live by, oh, that's not enough because there are outside forces that are trying to convince me that my ultimate freedom is doing whatever I want, whatever feels good whenever I want to because I'm a grown person. I'm grown. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. The spirit that governs my life. Thank you. Got out of that one. So, but there are people that think, no, freedom doesn't come from God. Freedom comes from me. Do what I want to do. Do what I want to do when I want to. I'm not suggesting you buy this, but there is a satanic Bible. That's what it's called. The book of Satan. And and, and, and just let me give you the cliff notes so then you you don't have to read it. Something that it says over and over and over again in the book of Satan is do what thou wilt. 
do, you'll read some pages and read some pages and then it will close. Like, you know how like in the Bible, sometimes it closes with Selah or amen. Amen. Amen basically means agreement with God. The book of Satan says it ends the very places where you would put amen, agreement with God. It says, do what thou wilt. That's exactly how the serpent started with Adam and Eve. Did God really say that? That's not really what it means. You should do what you want to do. What if God's lying to you? Are you sure you heard from God? Why don't you just do what you want? You're a grown man. Do what you want to do. You're a grown woman. You don't you do what you want to do. You grown. That is the trick. Counterfeit freedom over eternal freedom and power. The power to not be violent. The power to forgive. The power to keep your word. The power to stay committed even when it's tough. The power to deal with stress and to navigate conflict. The power to hold your head up when it seems like the world wants you to bow down. That power comes from rising. From rising. God wants to give you and I the power to rise to the occasion, even when it feels like the entire world is against us. It's not just understanding the resurrection of Christ. It's the power of the resurrection of Christ. And finally, it's living out the resurrection of Christ. See, there it is. You and I were not called here today. We didn't show up here today just to celebrate the rising of Jesus. Yes, we should do that. But there's something more. Even what we call this day, Easter, some people don't even know what's behind that. Like, why do we call this Easter Sunday? Do you know the word Easter is nowhere in the Bible? Can't find it anywhere, nowhere. Can't find Easter, nowhere. So then how did we start calling this Easter? Okay, this is what happened. In the first century, followers of Jesus were trying to convince people in a very pagan world, in a world with all kinds of false religions and beliefs, in a crazy world under the Roman Empire, they were trying to share that Jesus died and rose, and they were trying to figure out how to do that in practical ways where people would listen to them. So what they did is they said, let's take some of the festivals they already celebrate. It it, it would be like if if in our culture, we was like, well, you know what? Why don't we just make a big deal about Jesus at uh, at the Super Bowl? There's going to be a bunch of people there anyway. So why don't we just put on a, why don't we just say something about Jesus because there's going to be a bunch of people there anyway. That, 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 you know, that's why when the Buffalo Bills player, Hamlet, when he collapsed on the field, there were so many eyes on that. That when like people on ESPN started praying, it's why so many people, you see like when it was like they were trying to to go, when when people's eyes are all on something, when people are there already anyway, I'm not saying that's why Hamlin collapsed. That's not the point I'm making there. The point that I'm making here is that people were just like, what do you, oh, let's use the 4th of July. Let's use something where people are already in this culture, already celebrating, connected to, they know about. So what they picked was a festival to a false goddess named Estar. And people in that culture were already worshiping Estar. There were already temples built to Estar. There were already all kinds of stuff going around Estar, so they just took it. And I don't know why it lasted so long through the Roman Empire and the end of the Roman Empire into Europe, and even Martin Luther didn't say anything about it. Calvin didn't say anything about it. Wesley didn't overturn it. You know, so, so then we get even to the construction of the United States, and we're still saying Easter Sunday, when really it's Resurrection Sunday. But we'll say it's Easter because some people just need to get through the color 
hard-colored eggs and the bunny and the chocolate to get to the resurrection of Jesus. So if you want to say Easter, you can, you don't have to, because now you got knowledge and that knowledge should become wisdom to pass on to your kids. So how do we live out the resurrection of Jesus? You and I are supposed to live, are supposed to live as if Jesus rose until Jesus returns. That's what we're supposed to do. Live as if Jesus rose until Jesus returns. The hard part about this, sisters and brothers, is how do you do that? How, how, do, you, how do you do that? I mean, and the problem is sometimes we have done a bad job of this in the church because we think the best way to do this is either just to give people data about Jesus or to scare people, to make them feel guilty. You know, you should accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because data says one out of four people are not going to accept Jesus and go to hell. One, two, three, four. Huh. One, two, three. Huh. Sorry. One, two, three. Oh, sorry, bro. One, two, three. And so we guilt trip people. We shame them into saying yes to Jesus. And if that worked, more than 8% of the people that live in Sacramento would be in church right now. But the reason why so many cities, it's not just because these liberal pagan people that are taking Jesus out of the public schools. No, it's because we have not done a great job in the church of demonstrating the radical revolutionary love of God. We have shamed people towards Jesus. We have guilt tripped people towards Jesus. We've been great at that. We judge people that don't say yes to Jesus, but we have a hard time loving people that have not said yes to Jesus. The best way to get people to say yes to Jesus is to demonstrate the love of Jesus towards them. To live it out. So how do we demonstrate it? Well, one way of demonstrating it is Matthew 25. Verse 31, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous man said, Lord, when did we see you hiding feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to visit you? They can reply, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. What he's trying to say here <laughs> is that intimacy with God is connected to interaction with the vulnerable. Let me say it again. Intimacy with God is connected to interaction with the vulnerable, not just the socially vulnerable. We can talk about that, the poor, the under-resourced, but what about the spiritually vulnerable? People we love in our family, people in our neighborhood, people we know that have not said yes to Jesus. We're called to live this out, to live this out locally and globally. So what we're doing starting today 
is we're gonna launch something called the Matthew 25 Challenge. That we're not just going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, we are going to demonstrate the resurrection of Jesus, locally and globally. The Matthew 25 Challenge, and we're gonna live in this for a few weeks. We're going to live in this, and one of the places we're going to continue to live this out is in our partnership in our relationship with Leah Tata Floyd Elementary School here in Sacramento. Check out this video. My name is Mayu Sam Floyd. I'm the principal here at Leah Tata Floyd. Our students come from the biggest housing projects in Sacramento, CB Circle and Noabisha. Within these housing projects, there's, there, there's a particular culture that happens because of poverty. Um, kids are, are more prone to see violence, you know, drugs and all kind of things that kids normally shouldn't see. Our kids are one step away from homelessness as well. I grew up in the neighborhood as well. Uh, my parents came um, from Oak Park. Uh, our house burned down in Oak Park, then we became homeless. And lucky enough, you know, SHR had CV Circle, apartment in CV Circle. And my parents, you know, this is the first time in the projects. And as a kid, I was seeing the same things that the kids would see. But luckily, in the 90s, there was a lot of investment into the community to where a lot of, a lot of those traumas that I would, would have seen um, were negated. And that's kind of what I want for our kids. I think more investment into my community, more investment into the school. We see promise in our kids. When it comes to field trips and enrichment activities, we 100% rely on community support or community partners like Midtown Church. For field trips, um, our students get more exposure to the outside world. There's just like this invisible barrier that keeps them within the neighborhood, especially um, without, of course, um, parents having money or, or transportation. Um, so students are just subjugated to what they see in their environment. By investing in giving kids field trips, we then expose them to more things that, um, that other kids um, are able to see and just learn and grow. And that's what we want for our kids, so they can just thrive. Amen. Uh, for, first of all, I'm, I'm mad about his hair, because I can't do none of that. And so, <laughs> forget you, man. But um, the other thing that troubles me, though, is why are they unable to take kids on field trips? Don't say it's because their parents aren't trying the best they can to provide for their family, that they're not working at all. Don't, don't, don't say that. Don't, don't be quick to talk about people that you're not in relationship with. Two, um, you should probably go to school board meeting and ask them why they can't take kids on field trips. I know this. Growing up in an inner city setting myself, field trips had a significant impact on my life by going to a science museum, by getting outside of my neighborhood, my block, it allowed me to dream and believe I could go to college, believe that I could achieve and be successful. So the Matthew 25 challenge, we're gonna raise $25,000 and we're going to support Leah Tata Floyd and kids not only going on field trips, but having nice little shirts and uniforms so they all are together in a group and they have pride and they can go out and they can represent their school and feel good that they're a part of Leah Tata Floyd Elementary School. We're also 
going to also fund some efforts in our partnership with schools in Elk Grove through uh, the table community. The other thing we're going to do, so don't get it, Matthew 25, $25,000. We're also going to raise $2,500 to match. Well, you know what? You don't actually have to do that anymore. So I announced that uh, Tier Fund was raising, they had to match $40,000 and they were $2,500 short and to help women in poverty in Haiti go through a business learning lab in school so they could run their own businesses and address their economy. And then one person came up to me and said, here's the $2,500 after the last service. So I don't even have to present that to you now. And lastly, what we're gonna do is in our partnership with World Vision, I'm asking at least 250 families to say yes to be chosen. In three weeks, my wife, Danish and I, AKA Lady D, we're going to Ghana. And um, usually in child sponsorship programs, we put some packets out and then we ask you to choose a kid. No, starting next week, I'm gonna ask you to be willing to make a packet to take your picture in our photo booth or to take a picture on your phone through an app and then Danisha and I are gonna take your packets to Ghana and the kids are gonna choose you. They're gonna choose, and then we're gonna come back and have a reveal party. And the reason why Danisha and I are going to Ghana is we're not just going for that, but we're taking 12 other pastors and spouses with us, and we're gonna go to the very spots that represent the origins of the racial divide and slavery. We're gonna go to the castles, the place of no return, the docks where the slave ships, the place where the slaves took their last bath before they got on the slave ship, and we're gonna claim those places for worship and healing and transformation. And starting next year, I'm gonna ask some of y'all who wants to go to Ghana with me and Danisha and Pastor Bob and Letty. And every year we're gonna take people in this church and pastors and we're gonna go to spots that represent division and we're gonna claim them for healing and transformation and empowerment. I'm going to Ghana. The Matthew 25 challenge. So I gotta come to my close. So uh, let me close it out like this. Sisters and brothers, Jesus didn't stay in the grave and neither should you. If Jesus got up, so should you. Jesus didn't stay in the grave. What grave are you in? It's time to get up. Are you in the grave of apathy? Are you in the grave of anger? Are you in the grave of low self-esteem? Are you in the grave? Whatever grave you were in, it wasn't meant to hold you. There's no tomb that was really meant for you. I know we do headstones to honor our loved ones that pass and, and just honor them and pay tribute and go back. And we should do that. But I want you to know no grave at any cemetery in Sacramento is big enough, deep enough, wide enough, luxurious enough to hold hold you. Death can't hold Jesus. Death can't hold your marriage. Death can't hold your manhood. Death can't hold your womanhood. Death can't hold your future. Death can't hold your mind. Death can't hold your heart. Death can't hold your existence. One day this body, you will die, but you will not stay dead in the twinkling of an eye, in the blowing of a trumpet. The dead in Christ shall rise. So why not get up? Oh, I'm running out of time, but let me just say it like this. People are gonna be so mad outside, but they ain't getting no cover charge. They be cool. <laughs> if you know you need to rise, I'm asking you to stand right now. If you're already a Christian, but you need to rise and explore what God is calling you to do next. If you're in a predicament and you don't know how to get out of it, 
Let God call you to rise. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's time to rise. If you've never said yes to the death and resurrection of Jesus, it's time to rise. And this is what we're going to have you do. There are going to be people outside because we've got a crowd of people getting ready to come in. So I'm going to ask you when I'm done praying for you to go out. And there are people out there, prayer folks, they want to meet you, to pray with you, pray for you. If you're accepting Jesus Christ for the first time, we have a gift for you. We want to walk with you in this. God, I pray that we would not stay dead, but we would courageously, joyously, emphatically claim our resurrection today. Jesus got up and so did we. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hope to see you again next week. so much for tuning into Midtown Church. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast for weekly messages to stay rooted in the word and for a dose of hope, health, and healing in your life. Want to get more connected to Midtown Church? Just visit us online at midtownchurch.org.